wonderful. Hello, youth. Uh, hello, everyone who is watching. If you are um, uh, 15, 20, maybe you're uh, 30, um, 50 or 60 or 70 years uh, old, um, I believe you are young. We are all young on the inside, and the looks could, can be deceiving, as we know. Uh, as we continue this, before I say, um, before we go into the, into the sermon, into the continuation of our series, I want to say that today, uh, or maybe yesterday, we lost a great man of God, uh, such a pillar in the church of God, um, one of the forerunners, one of the frontliners, if I can say that, of the um, spreading or defending uh, the gospel, um, Ravi Zacharias. Uh, Ravi Zacharias is no longer with us, and um, we pray for his family. We pray for for the ministry of RZIM. If you um, are not familiar with his works and with the ministry, I encourage you to look into that. Um, it has definitely has been a blessing um, in my life. And we pray for the family that God would um, sustain them and uh, the Holy Spirit would comfort them in this um, times. But on the good side, on the good side, I believe that God is raising, raising people in his place, raising people to defend the gospel and the people that will be young people um, that will be spread out throughout the world defending and preaching the gospel because God is the master. Jesus said, pray to the master of the harvest that he would send workers into the fields. And the fields are ready. We need workers. Let's pray to the master of the field, of the, of the harvest, that he sends more of those workers. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe I am one of them. Um, we're continuing on the sermon series, Practical Christianity. The key word here is practical. And we want to be very practical. I uh, enjoyed the sermon uh, last time, the teaching last time from coming from our uh, pastor, Alex Lobodyanik. And um, I just want to continue uh, continue from the point where he left off. Uh, he was speaking about sanctification, practical sanctification. And one of the key points uh, that he made is that we are, we were made perfect. We were made perfect in Christ. Um, believe it or not, we were made perfect. We were made perfect in our conscience. Our conscience uh, became perfect when we were born again. However, our body is not catching up with that reality. And our body is what needs to be uh, subdued or, or taken under control, and it needs to comply with our new being, our new creation. And that's what we are going to be talking about today, spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines might be sounding very spiritual, but in fact, spiritual disciplines, if you put it uh, simpler, uh, 
you think we're talking about immaterial things, where in fact we're talking about very material things. We're talking about mind and body discipline. So spiritual disciplines, in other words, can be put as mind and body discipline. And what are we talking about? If you're following us on the Bible app, you can open the events and look at the sermon notes. Um, They're very basic, but um, it will give you um, at least a guideline or or ability to take some notes in there as well. What is a spiritual discipline if we define it? Uh, It's a type of training that puts the flesh into submission to the spirit to focus on what is essential, and that is God himself. We practice spiritual disciplines not for salvation, to attain salvation. We know that we receive salvation by grace. It cannot be earned, but we practice the disciplines for growth, to grow in Christ. Uh, Dallas Wallard's uh, spiritual discipline definition And if you see the slide, if you can see that slide, it says that the disciplines are the activities of mind and body purposefully undertaken to bring our personality and total being into effective cooperation with the divine order. They enable us more and more to live in a power that is strictly speaking beyond us, deriving from the spiritual realm itself. If this was confusing or if this was too much, we're going to try to break it down into simpler terms. Um, A simple definition of discipline, just purely discipline, the word discipline. Uh, One of the definitions uh, is an activity I can do by direct effort that will eventually enable me to do that which currently I cannot do by my direct effort. A very simple example. I know guys, it's going to click with guys. Uh, If I can not bench press my own weight in the gym, uh, my direct effort would be to start. So I can't do that by my direct effort right now. It's not that my body can't do that. It's just I don't have the power to do it right now. I'm just going to collapse under those under the weight. So what do I do? I start training. I start discipline, a discipline of training. And I, in the morning, wake up, I drop on the floor, I do five push-ups. Next time around, next morning, I do uh, 10 push-ups. And so on and so forth, until I build up, until I train up to that ability where I can uh, go to the gym, and impress everybody by doing the bench press and lifting my own weight. So that capacity was in me before, but I needed to practice, to train, to, um, to get that access to the power. Um, the, tr- the, the scripture actually talks a lot about training. And it uses uh, metaphors of um, physical training, or as an athlete. Andre just read uh, for us 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and it says from verse 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? 
run in such a way as to get the prize, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Amen. We have the real incentive. A crown that will last forever. That is significant. That is something that is worth striving for. That is something that, that, that's worth training up for. Isn't that? A crown that will last forever. I don't know any equal um, incentive here on earth. Something that will last forever that can be compared to the crown of life uh, that uh, the scripture promises. You know, uh, spiritual training, it's actually, in other words, spiritual disciplines, it's the way of Jesus. It's the practices of Jesus. Or put it simply, the habits of Jesus Christ. The life that Jesus lived, if we look not at his teaching, but we look at his lifestyle, and we look how Jesus lived, we can pick out his practices and everything that he did. And actually, if you read, if you're fascinated with someone's biography, if you like Steve Jobs, or if you're a fan of Barack Obama, uh, Donald Trump, I don't know who your favorite uh, person is, but you study his life, we study those people's life, and we take notes. We look at what they practiced, how early they got up, did they skip breakfast or did they eat breakfast? Did they take a power nap or did they skip the nap? Uh, what do they do? What kind of lifestyle they lived so we can mimic that lifestyle and hopefully produce the same results in our life, in my life, or at least help to understand myself as a person by comparing my life with other people. And with some people, we compare our lives to make sure we don't make the same mistakes, to avoid those mistakes that they did, to learn something and to be wiser. Wise people apply those um, cues or techniques um, in their life. Um, we're followers of Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus. And this is, this is what we do. If, we call, if I call myself a disciple of Christ, I don't merely study the scripture or read his, the story, the four gospels, the biographies of Jesus, um, just because, you know, it's a, it's a good story. I study that, I read into that to understand the lifestyle, how he lived, and to replicate it exactly the same way. We're talking about spiritual disciplines or the habits of Jesus. Please stay with me. Um, if we can show the slide, Diana Nayad is an American swimmer, a marathon swimmer, endurance swimmer. Um, <laughs> this person, um, on September 2, uh, 2013, at 64, being 64 years old, to swim from Cuba to Florida without the use of a shark cage for protection. Nayad completed a 110 miles swim from Hawana to Key West um, through the jellyfish and shark infested waters 
of the Strait of Florida in approximately 53 hours. So this lady, being 64 years old, swam for 53 hours. You get that? 53. If you, multiply, if you add 24 and 24, that's 50. That's two days, day and night, without sleeping, 53 hours of swimming. 110 miles in the waters that are full of poisonous jellyfish, sharks, and so on and so forth. She made that. Uh, that was the fifth attempt that she made, and she succeeded in the fifth time. You know what? I want to tell you that you are capable of doing that too. The reality is, most of us are never going to do that. <laughs> and you know why? Because we're not ready for that kind of sacrifice. We're not ready to put our bodies under such a training to be able to complete uh, that same swim. Our not only body, but endurance swimmers, uh, the main, if you ran a marathon, you will know that the main component is, it, it, is you have to have the right mindset. When your body says, no, I'm not running anymore, the mind says, no, you are running. You are still running. And we're continuing this. Um, it's in the mind. It is definitely in the mindset. Um, and I want to take that parallel. I want to take Diana uh, Nayad's parallel of the endurance swimmer and uh, look at, at the Christian life. Look at the race that the Christian is running throughout the life. Because a Christian life is not a sprint. We don't start fast um, and, and, and finish in 100 yards. This is a lifetime endure. This is a lifetime journey. And we do need endurance. And to have that endurance, we do need training. We do need to practice spiritual disciplines. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Who is invited to follow this way? To follow Jesus? Uh, to follow his commands? Actually, Jesus never commanded anything. He didn't command us, oh, you have to um, do this. He invites people to follow him. He says, uh, follow me. The only thing he commanded, one exception would be the prayer where he commanded us to pray uh, on multiple occasions. Uh, but everyone who calls himself a disciple of Christ is to deny himself and to follow his example. We're basically enrolling in a training program that would enable us to do things that we were not able to do before. Um, enable and to be able to overcome a difficult terrain of life with endurance. And the question, next question would be, how do we do this? How do we do this life? How do we follow um, habits of Jesus? And I want to cover four essential elements that every Christian must Practiced. I know you have three in your outlines, but I added the fourth one as a surprise. Um, the first one is um, studying the scripture. Uh, the Bible is very clear uh, that the scripture is the word of God. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is God-breathed. And it's used for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God... Or that you, a man of God, may be truly equipped for every good work. 
So the scripture is good for equipping a person, young person, old person, every born-again believer, equip it, giving us the right equipment, the right tools to do the work of God, every good work uh, of God. So when we study the Word of God, um, we're not talking about just listening to the Scripture on the way to work, um, which is a good thing to do. We're not talking about just, you know, opening the Scripture. What is God going to tell me today? Or just relying on the verse of the day. Okay, this is my intake for the day. That is not enough, unfortunately. Um, when we're talking about studying the Scripture, very practical. We have, we're talking about practical Christianity. Studying the Scripture is with the notebook, with a pencil, where you study the Scripture. You look into the text. You underline the text. You ask questions of the text. And let me tell you, this is not only for preachers. This is for every believer. If you are to become a disciple of Christ, you need to start studying the Scripture. You need to start noting down the template uh, that, that underlined the style of Jesus, what he liked, what he did, um, and, and so on and so forth. The Scripture holds that for us, and we need to look into that. More, uh, uh, more than that, uh, the Scripture is inspired. It is inspired by God and by the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, um, the Scripture is alive. It's living and it's working. It's working within us and it can and is doing the work on the background, if you can say. The work that we don't see. The fruit in us that we don't see uh, with a naked eye. But we can rely on the fact that through, the, through this Word, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, we will be the Holy Spirit will be able to guide us um, in the sunny days as well as in the stormy days of life. Um, bringing the parallel back to Diana, um, every 90 minutes throughout her swim, she had to be fed. She was fed from the, the boat that was uh, accompanying her and the people would feed her every 90 minutes because she needed those calories. My question for you, how often is your scripture intake? How often do you rely on those calories of the scripture to help you endure through this life? Because we're exposed to those jellyfish, poisonous jellyfish all around us. Let me tell you that. It's around us in the news. It's around us in the social media. It's around us at work. What is your scripture intake daily? Practically, practically, if we look at the example um, of um, the man of God, um, it has to be consistent. We have to be consistent in our scriptural intake. And if you haven't built that habit today, start small. Start a Bible plan. Be committed. Be consistent. The second point is the prayer. The second point that we will be talking about, it, it is the prayer. Uh, one of the disciplines in the person's life is the prayer. And the prayer is um, something that Jesus did a lot. 
um, one of the enemies of the prayer is uh, to impress God with my choice of words. I stand in the prayer and I choose words, uh, special words, to make it sound good, to make myself look good, if you will, before God. And that Jesus warns about that. And he says that it's a hypocrisy, um, that we should not be doing that. Uh, he also warns us to use repetitive words. He says, the, the Father knows your need. Be very open, be direct, express your need. But don't be blabbing in the prayer. The best friend of prayer is persistence. He brings a parable in Luke 11 and he says that the friend, and he brings a parable of a friend that comes to another friend and he knocks at his door at night, 12 o'clock at night, in the morning, if you will, and says, give me a piece of bread because I need one. He says, go away. I, I am sleeping. My family is sleeping. I don't have time for this. But he says, even if he's not going to give him that bread because of his friendship, but because of his persistence, he will get up and give him what he's asking. And uh, Jesus says that, uh, use this example. Be persistent in your prayer and your Father will grant you what you're asking Him. The context is the will of God is that we ask for the Holy Spirit. It is the will of God that we ask for the Holy Spirit. And don't have doubts about that. If you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the, with the gift of tongues, you have full authority, you have full support of the Scripture to pray this prayer and ask God with persistence, with, uh, uh, with uh, just coming to him as a child and say, Father, you promised in your scripture that all those who are your children, they will, uh, those who are born again will have this, will have this manifestation of the, of the gift of tongues, uh, will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you to do that. Praying the Lord's Prayer. The best example and the practical example is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, when Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer, uh, I believe he did not mean for us to recite the prayer itself, which we do a lot and I do in my life, but to use it as, a, as an example, as a template. And when we stand before God, um, and we don't know what to pray about, start with worshiping God. Start with worshiping God. Hallowed be your name. Uh, and continue through the prayer. Think about your life. How this is related in your life. What kind of will can be done in your life as it's done in heaven. And then continue with the daily bread um, and so on through the prayer. That's the example that Jesus gave. And he encouraged us to use that as a model prayer. One last thing on prayer. Jesus was found or not found oftentimes where people seeked for them. Where they were searching for them, for him, but he was not found. Guess where he was? He was in a mountain praying to the Father. At night, he was in a mountain praying to the Father. It says of Jesus that he would often sneak away to pray. And when, I, when that was revealed to me, I was like, man, I need to do that. I need to sneak away in the middle of excitement, in the middle of the parties, in the middle of something exciting where I really want to be. Just sneak away 
and kneel before God and say, Father, you see my heart. I desire you more than anything that the world can offer. Anything else. And that's what Jesus did. We're moving to our third point, which is uh, third discipline. And third discipline is a discipline of fasting. I know when you hear, when I hear the word fasting, that puts me into tremble. My body just refuses to uh, like it, you know. Um, Martin Luther, Luther wrote a fasting, I say this. It is right to fast frequently in order to subdue and control the body. For when the stomach is full, the body does not serve for preaching, for praying, or studying, or for doing anything else that is good. Under such circumstances, God's word cannot remain. But one should not fast with a view to merit something by a good work. The bottom line is that fasting is good for you. Fasting is good uh, when you're fasting, you're removing the destruction of food, you're removing yourself from satisfaction from something else and not from God himself. And it puts you in a hunger state. It puts you in a state of mind and your body in, in a, such a state that it hungers. And you turn that hunger, you take that hunger, you take those stomach pains and you say, Lord, this is not the hunger for food. This is a hunger for more of you. That's what my real hunger is. And I need more of you. And I'll tell you what, after three days, it gets much easier. You don't have those pains. Your head stops hurting. And you can continue on. And may the Lord bless us in that. Um, fasting is not going to give you a glory or excitement. That's not what this is about. This is about training. This is not attaining um, to salvation. This is where we religious people, I am as a religious person, fail. When I use fasting or prayer or spiritual discipline as an end result, my dear friend, spiritual disciplines are not meant to be end results. Our end result is a life with Christ. A life that is filled with Christ's presence. A life that is filled with His desires. A life that is filled with His compassion, with His love, because we imitate Him. So the spiritual disciplines are not for religious people. Spiritual disciplines for disciples of Christ that want to become more like Him. What to do and what not to do when we fast. Uh, chapter 58 of Isaiah gives us pretty clear guidelines what to do and what not to do. Uh, things we should do is prioritize needs for others. Share our food with the hungry and put clothes on the na naked. Rent a hotel room for the homeless um, and not only look for our needs but for the needs of others. Things that not to do, um, don't do things that only profit you. Um, use other people for your own gain. Argue and conflict. Those are the things that God says. That's the reason I don't hear your fast, fasting and, and, and your prayer. 
because you continue doing the things that are unpleasant uh, in my sight. May God bless you as you explore a discipline of, fast, of, of, of fasting, as you dive into it, um, and um, it will agree, uh, bring a great uh, benefit and a great blessing for you. Uh, and the last one, the fourth one, is uh, a discipline of the day of rest, the Sabbath. And I want to um, mention this because I believe this is important in the day and age that we live in, um, in the day of age of hurry. Um, with the coronavirus, praise the Lord, we slow down a great deal. But in general, we're always, always on the go. We don't have time for anything, for any serious thinking, for any serious analyzing of ourselves, um, any serious disconnection from the world. That's why God designed the day of rest, Sabbath. Um, it doesn't have to be on a Saturday. I'll say that up front. It can be a Sunday. But I do believe that it is important to make it a holiday. Make it a day of rest where you disconnect yourself from everything, from your regular activities, from your phone, uh, from everything that distracts you. Don't do any shopping. You don't do anything uh, that will um, irritate you or or so on and so forth, but you prioritize a time of rest, time with family, and a time um, with the church. Um, it is God's design. He designed us in such a way that we would need that day, and I encourage you to start practicing that. In conclusion, in conclusion, I would like to say that um, the, wor the world has announced a war on purity, on abstinence, and self-control. If you follow the news, if you follow the latest trends, it is a war. It is a war zone for a Christian. Moral revolution le le leads to sexual promiscuity and devastating consequences like twisted values, fatherless homes, um, abortions, um, and, and things of that sort. Um, and I believe that it is the army of new generation, of the new generation of believers that uh, follow the example and life of Jesus, that practice the habits of Jesus, that are equipped with knowledge of the scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit, that will be able to withstand even the harshest persecution of the last times. It is those believers, it is you, my brother and sister, equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit, practicing the way of Jesus, we are able to withstand. Um, last passage before we close. Uh, last passage before we close. We're going to wrap up and go um, into prayer. And uh, it's found in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, of all those people that lived before, um, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise 
Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, for your son and for his example. My dear friend, we are encouraged by Jesus Christ to deny ourselves and to follow Jesus. He extends this invitation today by practicing four simple things um, as a new believer, as a believer that you probably have been a believer for 10 years, 20 years. The followers of Jesus practice at least those four things. We talked about studying the scripture, spending time in the word of God. We talked about prayer. We talked about um, fasting and practicing the day of rest that the Lord designed for us. May the Lord bless you as you grow in the knowledge of the Lord, as you practice the way of Christ. May people around you that will that surround you see the fruit um, that you bring for the glory of God and glorify our Father. Let's finish this with a prayer.